Happy Mother's Day! It's been said already today, but I want to take the opportunity to wish all of you ladies a happy Mother's Day. We celebrate all mothers. We celebrate mothers who are near, mothers that are far, mothers that have, um, have a prayer on their heart, that are praying that God will bless them soon. We celebrate every mother. We celebrate mothers that their child was not long for this world. We see you and we celebrate you today. Last night, while getting ready for bed, our son was bouncing off the walls with excitement. He couldn't wait to give me my Mother's Day card. He pulled me aside and he said, Mom, I have something for you, but you have to close your eyes. So I closed my eyes, and he handed me this card that he had made. And I brought it with me to show you. So this card is filled with hearts that he'd drawn and Pokemon, because what mother doesn't love Pokemon? And so he gave me the card, and... Then he pulled me close and he whispered in my ear and he said, you're my favorite mama. Best gift ever. What a feeling to be called someone's favorite. Now, maybe he also told Ivan that he was his favorite, but I'm claiming favorite status. We all have favorites. A favorite song, maybe a favorite dessert or a meal, a sports team, a vacation spot. And we might not say it out loud, but we have favorite people too. To be a favorite person is to be one that is specially loved and valued and trusted. When you're someone's favorite, you're seen. You have value. Today we're starting this conversation about the art of hope. Through the book of Philippians, Paul writes a letter to his favorites, the Church of Philippi. He tells them that trial and suffering are not an evidence of God's lack of care or plan. Rather, it's a means of spreading the message of Jesus. It's spreading the message of salvation. Paul and the Philippians, they discover through the book together, they discover what it is to follow Jesus in everyday life. Isn't that what we're doing? We're learning to love and live like Jesus. So we have so much in common with them. One of the most important aspects of Jesus, of Jesus' life, is his people. And so today, as we begin this conversation about what it is to possess the art of hope, I'd like to introduce you to the characters of today's passage with a little bit of their backstory. So who is Paul? Who are his friends? And they're called the Philippians? Well, Paul was a Jew, a Pharisee. And uniquely, he was also a Roman citizen. He was strong-minded and logical, and he was an advocate for justice. 
And at one time, he was a skeptic. Last week, we talked, Pastor Jason talked about skeptics and doubts, and that even as believers, even as of those that love Jesus, we have big questions, we have doubts. Well, Paul was a skeptic, and he not only had doubts, but he actually participated in the persecution of Christians. It was his desire to silence the story of Jesus. But Paul also has an extraordinary transformation story. If you've never read the book of Acts or it's been a while since you've read the book of Acts, I encourage you to read it. It is an amazing book. It's inspiring. It shows the work of God in powerful ways. Paul's transformation is recorded in the book of Acts. And it includes visions, blindness, an audible voice of God. Paul survives a shipwreck. All of this and more, and it results in a once hard heart made soft creating an all-out follower of Jesus. God assigned Paul a mission, and this mission was to preach the good news of Jesus. He assigned him to preach this news to non-Jews. They're often called Gentiles. And Paul launches 11 Jesus communities, which brings us to our conversation today his first and most beloved church. I like to call him his favorite. The Church of Philippi, located in Greece. When Paul first arrived in Philippi, the people had just come through a season of suffering, of torment, of trial. They'd recently been conquered by the, Roman, by the Romans. And though it wasn't the original plan, God led Paul to Philippi, the first Jesus community was to be in this city. And it didn't start with hundreds of people or thousands of people, it actually started with three people. Three unlikely people. One was a widowed businesswoman. The other, a once demon-possessed servant girl. And then, a prison guard. This was the beginning of the Jesus community in Philippi. And Paul writes a straightforward but warm and loving letter to his friends. Let's read this letter together, but I wanna ask you as we read it together, I'd like for you to imagine you're reading a letter from a beloved friend. Knowing a bit of their history, imagine the relationship between Paul and the Philippians. If you have your Bible, would you turn to Philippians 1, verses 3 through 11. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for you with joy. For you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue this work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus, Christ Jesus returns. 
So it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ, Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Paul starts his letter to his friend saying, every time I thank God for you. Paul is writing this letter from prison. So the words joyous and thankful are not the words that I would choose as a prisoner. They wouldn't be the words that I would choose to describe prison life. I would do terrible in prison. When life is falling apart, isolated, away from everything he knows, why is Paul thankful? Why is he filled with joy? I believe this warmth and gratitude comes from the confidence that he has that the the Philippian Christians are his partners. They're held together by a a passionate commitment to Jesus. They They lived life alongside one another. They saw the worst and the best. They knew each other's suffering. They knew each other's pain. The most important part is that Paul and the Philippians, they witnessed a living God change everything and rescue them uniquely and individually. They shared a mutual passion that everyone know who Jesus is. Their transformations were so great that their entire families came to know Jesus, creating the first ever Jesus community in Europe. The interesting thing here also is that Paul didn't do ministry alone. He always had a partner. Paul's written several other books in the New Testament. And if you look back, you'll notice he always identifies who he's serving with, Timothy, John, Mark, and others. These are fully invested partners. Their time, their talent, their treasure, they're all in. They know without a doubt that Jesus is real and that he is their only hope. Those, they were the kind of friends that when you see them, you pick up right where you left off. I have a friend like that. Her name is Lindsay. She loves Jesus with all of her might, and she's seen more pain than anyone really should. The miles separate us, and the years go by, and it feels like no time has passed at all. 
I first met Lindsay in a theories of counseling class, and we bonded over coffee, shoes, and Jesus, not in any particular order. From that point on, we were partners. Her friendship came into my life at a time where I desperately needed a friend. I just moved home and I transferred schools and Jesus and I were wrestling through some doubts, some questions. And Lindsay came into my life and showed me confidence, kindness, and care. I was so used to caring for others, I forgot what it was like to be cared for. She stopped, she listened, she prayed for me, and she sat right alongside me and prayed. She was always in my corner, and she still is. She believed in me, and she believed without a doubt that Jesus could see every part of the picture, even when I couldn't. It was her hope that communicated it was safe for me to trust God's timing. Paul continues in verse 6. This is the part that stuck out to me the most. Verse 6, and I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day Christ Jesus returns. Paul has a confident expectation. That's what hope is. His confident expectation in a big picture. He encourages the believers to hang on to hang on to hope because it's just the beginning, whether they can see it or whether they feel it. There's more to come. There's a New Testament theologian, scholar, N.T. Wright, and he says, God himself is a finisher and a starter. The particular work which has begun and will finish is the work of grace. Grace is that undeserved favor and kindness that each of us are gifted with when we ask Jesus to be ours. Wright says it's the gospel, it's Jesus in the hearts and lives of the Philippian Christians. It indicates that hope has really nothing to do with us. It is Jesus. There's an area of my life where my hope has been challenged. Our family has been on a home renovation journey for a little while now. And let's be honest, I know nothing about home renovation. The words vapor barrier and the big O and shingles and drywall and grout, so many layers and so many things to learn. Fortunately, I am not the foreman on this project. My husband Ivan is and he has a plan and he has a strategy and he sees the big picture. But this week, as we move to this next level, level of renovation, Samuel, our son, caught me red-handed in a moment of frustration. I was feeling inconvenienced and frustrated because I blew a fuse, and it, I was in a hurry, and I was trying to get a bunch of things done, and I was frustrated. 
I was tired of trying to make things work. The tools, the misplaced appliances, the chaos. And isn't it just like kids to tell you exactly how it is? Well, he said, Mom, it's not finished. There's a bigger picture. And I looked at him, and I said, where did you hear that? And he went like this, and he pointed across the street to the church. And he said, firmly and confidently, if you know him, you'll know you can picture what he's saying. Believing God that something good will come out of something bad is hope. Mom, it looks bad now, but something good is coming. Things that I learned from my seven-year-olds. There are things in our life that we, we lose hope. There's questions that we have. Sometimes we're waiting. Sometimes we're suffering. For everyone, it's a little different, but equally as real. The Philippian Christians teach us that hope is attached to Jesus, and he is not finished. As we move through in the next few verses, verses 7, 8, and 9, it says, So it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God in both my imprisonment and defending and confirming the, tr confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and how I long with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love would abound more and more and that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. Here, Paul is straight up saying he misses them. He longs to see them, to spend time with them again. In this time in history, prisoners were not guaranteed three square meals and a mattress. The prison did not have the responsibility to feed prisoners. It was up to the friends and the family to support them. The Church of Philippi was Paul's family his community. They cared for one another in the darkest of times, providing food, clothing, money, whatever was needed, and prayer, lots and lots of prayer. As we move through this series, The Art of Hope, later on in the book, we're going to uncover some extraordinary sacrifices and the great extents that the Philippians go to show care to Paul. The Philippians brought comfort. They sat right alongside him in his suffering. Sometimes it was literally sitting next to him in suffering, and other times it was sitting with him in prayer. Even though they were, they were far from him. Paul's letter provides us some hints and some insights along the way into the rest of the book by how he prays for them. He notices he's expressing all of this love and admiration and thankfulness, but he also notices a few things along the way that he wants them to take notice. Out of love, he warns them to beware. And he write, note, notes this about verse 9. Verse 9 says, 
He prays that their love will overflow in knowledge and wisdom. This is not how we often think about love. We think of it as having to do with emotion and affection, not with knowledge and wisdom. For Paul, they're tied together. What we call the heart and what we call the head, we're not separated as we have sometimes allowed them to be. If Christian love is genuine, it includes both a love for God and a love for one another. I love this quote because it communicates that love is not just touchy-feely, warm and fuzzy. It's a choice. And Paul's reminding us that it's the wise choice. Verse 10 says, what I want you to understand is what really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless until the day Jesus returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. I think we have a lot in common with the Philippians. We live in a time where cultural norms are not always black and white. A lot of times, they're in between somewhere. And yet, he prays. He prays that they, the Philippians, would clearly know what matters. They'd be able to discern what is best, what is right so they may live hope-filled and full lives. By living their life in that way, they would draw people to understand and know who God was, who Jesus is, and what Jesus, the love that Jesus had for them. We can see that there's power of hope in partnership. We can't do it alone. We weren't intended to. A lot of times I think we get this idea that we have to just charge forward and it's our responsibility, but we're designed to do it together and Paul communicates that clearly. He also says in verse 11, this idea that hope is contagious. Have you ever been around a really hopeful person? Well, hope is a powerful human experience. It actually impacts every aspect of our lives. What we accomplish, our everyday interactions, our connection, and how we relate to our families. When we're hopeful, we live out of our created purpose to point people to Jesus. In these short verses, I want to ask you, where do you find yourself in this letter? I want to invite you to reflect for just a few moments. Tap into your stories. Tap into how you've seen Jesus, where you've seen him, who you've seen him in. We all have stories of hope because hope is Jesus. Sometimes it's easy to forget. 
but it's important that we reflect. Who are your favorites? Who has Jesus brought into your life when you doubted that hope even existed? When all you wanted to do was give up because it was too hard? There are so many times in my own life that it's been too hard and all I want to do is give up. I want to move forward. I want to find something different because I doubt God's voice. I doubt that I've heard God's voice. I doubt that he's listening. But every time he reminds me, he reminds me in small ways, whether it's through a conversation, a text message from a friend, whether it's a song that I hear or a verse that I read, and sometimes it's a memory that he brings to my mind that reminds me all the places that he has been faithful to me. Maybe today is the first time you've heard of Jesus. Or maybe you've heard of him before, but you have no idea what it is to have hope in him, and that's okay. But you, you want to know more. You have questions. You have curiosity. I want to invite you to, to reach out to us, to send us a message, an email. To, if you're here on site, to stop us and have a conversation so that we might be able to pray with you, that we might be able to give you a little hope, to lead you to some answers to your questions that you might know today the hope of Jesus. There is a bigger picture. No matter our circumstance, no matter our background, our personality, our position, there is a bigger picture, and he is not finished yet. I want to ask you to do something with me. I want you to turn to Philippians, and it's the verse, I believe it's verse 5. I want to ask you to read that with me. I, I, want that, I want to ask you to read it with me so that as you move through your week, you can remember that he's not finished yet. Verse 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That is our hope. He's not finished. As Jesus' people, as people that love and know Jesus, we have an opportunity to open doors. We have an opportunity to open doors of hope to the people around us. I read this quote and I loved it. I, I don't know who said it, but I want to share it. Recognizing when someone's hands are full and opening the door is hope. The Philippians demonstrate to us a healthy, but not perfect, faith community. They demonstrate to us what it is to care for one another. They demonstrate to us what it is to commit to pray for the people in our community.
the people who we see every day here at Sea Road, who we see in our small groups. Too many times we allow negative interactions or hurt or the past to stand in the way of us caring for one another. This week, I wanna challenge us to, to pray like Paul did, to pray like Paul did for the people around you. You're like, Desiree, I don't know anyone here or I don't know anyone that well to start praying for them. Well, if you're in a small group, start praying for the people in your small group. If you're not in a small group yet, just look around right now. Just look around you, it's okay, everyone's looking. Look around you, even if you don't know this person, maybe it's the person in the, the man in the blue shirt, or the lady with the pink jacket, or the kid with the light up shoes. Look around you and notice that person and commit to pray for them this week. I wanna encourage you to pray this for them and for all of us, that we would understand what really matters so that we would live pure and blameless lives until the day that Christ returns, that we would always be filled with the fruit of our salvation, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. That righteous character produced in our life by Jesus Christ for this would bring much glory and praise to God. It means that he gets all the credit. Our lives give him all the credit because he is our hope. This week I had a conversation with a friend. I was processing a challenge and I kind of just needed someone to listen. And so she took the time to listen and she prayed with me. And I walked away thinking, I'm so thankful for her. And so I decided to just send her a quick little note. And I said, thank you for sharing time with me. Thank you for taking the unexpected time and listening and, and praying for me. And here's what she wrote back. I often feel like I'm not making a difference and your message is so meaningful. To me, her purpose is so obvious. Her value is great. I would have never known that she needed a little dose of hope. You just never know where people are, and it's important that we pray for one another so that we might inspire hope to the people around us. Will you pray with me? Jesus, Thank you for being our hope. Thank you for understanding every part of who we are. I thank you for Paul. I think sometimes he gets misunderstood, but I thank you for him. I thank you that you took a once hard heart and you made it soft. You made it beautiful. You use Paul to spread the gospel all throughout the earth. So I thank you. I thank you for the example of the Philippians as they work together, as they support and care for one another, as they move past disagreements or move past struggles and trials 
and they look to you to be a hope that unites them. Thank you. Jesus, would you help us this week? Would you help us notice the people around us in our everyday life? Would we notice the people that we go to church with, the people that we go to small group with, the people that are in our neighborhood, in our, in our workplace? Would you help us to, to slow down our time that we would stop and pray, that we would sit alongside each other in our circumstances. That we would care for one another in ways that inspire hope until the day that you return. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.